Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. People with the rare and fatal genetic condition, spinal muscular atrophy, in recent years have seen the approval of an antisense therapy as well as a gene therapy. Genentech has now won U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval for Evrisd, the first oral at-home treatment for the condition. We spoke to Levi Garraway, Chief Medical Officer and Head of Global Product Development at Genentech, about Evrisd how it works, and how it fits into the choices physicians and patients have when it comes to treating spinal muscular atrophy. Levi, thanks for joining us. Danny, thank you for having me. We're going to talk about spinal muscular atrophy, the recent approval of Genentech's Evrisd, which is the first oral at-home therapy, and what this means for patients with the condition. Let's start with spinal muscular atrophy, though. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. And Danny, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this. So spinal muscular atrophy, the, the, we use SMA for short. It's a neuromuscular disease. It's actually quite severe and progressive. In fact, it's the leading genetic cause of infant mortality. And so SMA affects approximately 1 in 10,000 babies. So this disease is caused by a mutation in a gene called SMN1. Uh, it means survival motor neuron 1. So it's a mouthful. But uh, that mutation causes a deficiency of the protein, the SMN protein. And this is a problem because that protein is required for the proper function of nerves that control our muscles and therefore our movement. So without proper SMN protein function, those nerve cells, uh, they, don't, they don't work well, and eventually they can become lost over time. And that leads to progressive muscle weakness. And as you might imagine, in the fullness of time, that, that weakness will affect someone's ability to move their limbs, you know, to eat, to breathe on their own. And depending on the severity, some people may eventually require constant caregiver support for daily activities, even as simple as getting dressed brushing their teeth, going to the bathroom, et cetera. So overall, people with SMA, they lose their ability to perform critical muscle movements, and that, that can often impact their ability uh, to participate independently in 
and uh, activities of daily living and, and may become debilitating. We've seen new treatments uh, merge for patients with SMA. What's the prognosis for patients today? Well, so certainly, as I mentioned earlier, uh, SMA remains a severe uh, progressive disease. Uh, it can be fatal, uh, in fact. And, and yes, there have been recent advancements. But despite those advancements, uh, the majority of people in the U.S. with SMA, uh, you know, so let's say 60% or so, still aren't treated at all. Uh, and so therefore, there, there has remained a need for continued innovation for new therapies. Um, and, uh, and so, as I mentioned, throughout their lives, you, know, you still have this progressive ability potentially uh, to lose um, critical movements. And uh, um, so that's why we're excited about ESRISD, which uh, we think it's first-of-a-kind mechanism, it's at-home delivery, it's oral dosing, all of those things represent important advancements uh, in treatment options uh, for patients with SMA. And, and how does Evrisdi work? So as I mentioned, Evrisd it's the first at-home treatment for SMA to be FDA approved. Uh, it's actually approved for, uh, for adults as well as children who are two months of age or older. And the way that it works, the technical term is it's called a splicing modifier. So I described the, the SMN protein. Uh, and I mentioned that the primary problem for patients with SMA is a mutation in a gene called SMN1. It turns out that, uh, so, th so they've lost uh, the SMN function, but there's a, there's a second gene called SMN2 that can make a related form of the protein, but, but most of that protein, it, it, it's not, it doesn't come together properly. Uh, so it can't, it can't rescue, it can't serve the purpose of SMN1. But what FRISD does is it causes uh, a specific form of the SMN2 function to be expressed, which actually can rescue. It can uh, substitute for SMN1. So you now have what we, what we call a, a functional rescue. You have a different variation of SMN protein that can do the job that the SMN1 protein was supposed to do. Uh, and so if you do that, if you can increase the levels of that a, a version of SMN2 in nerve cells and in other cells in the body, you can, you can uh, help restore the function of those nerve cells and thereby uh, maybe preserve or improve movement uh, for patients who have this mutation. So we studied as RISD. Uh, that was the idea. And we studied it in a robust clinical trial program across a spectrum of people uh, with varying ages and diseases, uh, and sorry, uh, in levels of disease severity. Uh, and, um, and obviously, we're thrilled to have the result of FDA approval. How, how much of a technical challenge was it developing a, an oral therapy for this condition? Does it need to cross the blood-brain barrier? Is that an issue? Yeah, the, the challenge goes, really, it goes back to uh, the, our partners at a company called PTC Therapeutics, who uh, who came up with the idea of, of coming up with a therapy that would rescue the the role of a fun of a protein that had been lost? I mean, if you think about it, a lot of medicines that are made, they're, what they're designed to do is to block. They're designed to inhibit the abnormal function of a protein. So this medicine was designed to, in some ways, do the opposite. They were it was designed to restore the function of a protein that had been lost. So that. That was a, a big challenge. And then, as you mentioned, 
there were the series of challenges that one always has to make a uh, make a medicine that that works selectively to do that, which is safe, uh, and then which can get to the cells of the body uh, where, where the effect is needed. So, um, so we're very proud of of the efforts that were taken not only by our teams to develop the medicine, but the collaboration with the SMA community uh, to so that together we could come up with an advance uh, that that could be given to patients at home, given to them orally, and to given given to patients across the spectrum of disease. This is a, a an area of rare disease that's seen enormous innovation. Uh, I understand Evrisdi has the potential to treat a broader range of patients, though, than uh, Spinraza, which is the antisense therapy, or Zolgensma, the, the gene therapy that's targeting SMA. What, how does Evrisdi fit into the, the treatment options available today? Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, this certainly the, the past few years have certainly been a hopeful time for really for the entire SMA community because. Uh, during that interval, that community went from having no approved treatment options to now having three approved treatment options. Uh, and, and so, as you mentioned, the what Evrisdi now gives uh, is an option that, uh, whereas uh, in the past, they may have had to visit healthcare providers to be given a treatment, uh, with Evrisdi, the, uh, an effective treatment can now be administered in their own homes because it can be given orally. And And by the way, that's uh, particularly important now because Evrisdi comes at a time when access to treatment is more critical than ever, given that we're navigating uh, the pandemic. So, uh, so to, as you also alluded to, we studied Evrisdi uh, in a clinical trial program that represented not just babies with SMA, but pe- but children and people of varying ages, including uh, a, adult into adulthood, and also with varying stages of severity. And so that uh, so a key point there is that this program is the first that included patient groups that previously were not really well represented in clinical research of medicines for SMA, and that includes older infants, uh, children, even people over the age of eighteen, uh, uh, and then also it included people who had, in some cases, been previously treated for SMA with another medication. So so really uh, together these data support the role of Evrisd in many different settings, including a large setting of people who really never had uh, an optimal treatment option in the past. Well, what have the studies shown in terms of its its safety and efficacy? Yeah, great question. So in in infants, so one study, one one set of studies which we called Firefish, showed that, for example, in infants, Evrisd was often able to achieve an ability, to sit without support for at least uh, five seconds. That's a, that's a motor milestone that's often looked at. It's not normally seen in the natural course of the disease. And actually, so that was the primary goal of the firefish study was to measure whether or not infants could, could sit without support. But Evrisi did a number of other things as well. For example, it improved the, the survival time without the need for permanent ventilation in infants with the most severe uh, form of the disease, again, compared to the natural history. And then there were a number of other movement-related improvements that were measured uh, where also Evrisd showed, showed benefits. So, that, uh, that, so, so that's one setting uh, where we, where we uh, saw some significant and clinical and meaningful benefits. 
And then in, in another setting, uh, we studied children and adults, so older patients with the RISD. And there, too, we saw clinically meaningful and, of course, statistically significant improvements in motor function. And there were a variety of ways in which that was measured. Uh, and that was compared to patients who were not treated. So in summary, across the board, we've seen improved motor function in people with varying ages and levels of d disease severity uh, with FRSD. Does this just slow progression or does it actually reverse the disease? So in some cases, we, uh, we, we see clearly, we see improvements uh, uh, to the point of, so for example, in the firefish study, uh, some of the measurements that we use for movement, uh, initially, they, they essentially um, bring babies to a point of development that's kind of close to normal. Now, obviously, we have to wait. Our studies are ongoing, so we can see how durable uh, those uh, benefits are. Uh, but um, but some of the measurements and the improvements that we're seeing were, were really uh, quite significant. In, in older individuals, uh, for example, you know, adolescents, adults, what was tended, what tended to be seen was more of a stabilization. Um, and, but, you know, that obviously is still, it still matters uh, to, to people who, uh, who are afflicted with this disease and who are normally going through a progressive state. So, uh, so I think depending on how old you are, depends on the kind of benefit you get, which, which is not surprising because of course, if you've lived long enough with the disease and a lot of motor nerve cells have already died out. Of course, Evrisi is not restoring those nerve cells. What it's doing is for the nerve cells that are there, it's helping them function properly. So, uh, but, you, but you can easily uh, imagine why uh, there's benefit kind of across the board, but the extent of benefit may be greater the younger you are. How novel an approach is the mechanism of action here? And does it suggest a way to get at other genetic diseases. Yeah, so certainly the, the this this idea of of an oral medicine that, that can that can restore uh, a a a proper function of protein that certainly is uh, something that certainly for SMA it's first of its kind, and we we do we do hope that there may be other opportunities for other kinds of diseases, perhaps other rare diseases, where one could think about that kind of approach. Um, so uh, th this is very exciting for patients with SMA, but also um, just in general for medical innovation. Spinraza requires regular intrathecal delivery. This, this is an injection of the drug into the, the spine in a hospital setting. What's the implication for patients of having an oral at-home therapy? Well, certainly, you know, as, as we were discussing earlier, the approval of ESRISD, uh, in general, this at-home delivery, it's an important advancement uh, because this is, this is uh, a first of its kind compared to even the, the recent uh, therapeutics uh, offering. So it's an effective medicine. It's a safe medicine, and, and it doesn't require patients to... Uh, make re regular visits to the clinic. They can administer it in their own homes. So we, so we do think this is an important advance. We're proud, actually, to bring a groundbreaking medicine like this uh, that can be administered at home, you know, now during the pandemic and, of course, you know, in the future. Uh, and it meets some key needs of people 
who live with this dis disorder kind of across the board, uh, children and, and even adults and not just infants. The, does the delivery of the drug have an implication on how it's reimbursed? Yeah, great question. So as, as, as you know, out-of-pocket costs for patients are determined by many factors that can include insurance coverage, you know, the, the benefit design of their insurance. So there's not a single answer to that question. What I can say, though, is that at Genentech, we're certainly committed to ensuring that our medicines get to the people who need them, even if they can't afford them. And so we have a team of, of people at Genentech who are dedicated to helping people who have trouble accessing our medicines, or more generally, who have insurance coverage or reimbursement issues. And in the specific case of SMA, um, it, the program is called the My SMA Support Program. And so there's a team that uh, basically are there to answer questions and provide education and so basically help families navigate questions related to insurance coverage uh, and financial assistance options so that they could start and stay on EverSD. What is the pricing plan for Eversdy? Yeah, so for the pricing, we, of course, considered a number of factors, and we, we also had input from the SMA community on this question. Uh, and so the decisions were really around the intention to, to enable access uh, and also, of course, to help a broad range of people uh, with SMA uh, to, um, to have access to Eversdy. So the, the overall schema is based on a child's weight until they reach 20 kilograms, which is about 44 pounds, which usually occurs at about six years of age. So um, so before they get to 20 kilograms, the uh, the it's a weight-based dosing regimen. And then once they reach uh, 20 kilograms, it's a flat dose thereafter. But um, getting back to the specific pricing question, so as an example, for an infant who weighs 15 pounds, which was the average weight in our firefish study, and who is less than two years old, the annual um, wholesale acquisition cost around of, of ISRISD would be less than $100,000. Uh, and so uh, we can talk about you know, how that compares to other therapies, but, um, but, but that would be the, the rough ballpark uh, for an infant. And then we have a weight-based dosing regimen around that. Uh, but again, you know, we're, Genentech is always committed to ensuring that our medicines can get to people who need them even if they can't afford them. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we have a team of people who help navigate those those issues. Well, what have the discussions with payers been like to date? Yeah, so as you might imagine, we've been working with a large range of payers uh, across the U.S. Um, it, to ensure coverage, you know, commercial Medicaid and Medicare coverage of, 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 of RISD. Uh, and so uh, as we secure individual agreements, we can provide specific guidance. Um, you know, to patients and, of course, the payers that are covering uh, patients. Um, and but obviously, we will continue to work very closely with patients and payers to minimize gaps in access to Everisdi. So um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, so, so this so this is an ongoing process. Uh, but we 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 have um, the my SMA support program, uh, which is really there not only to navigate the process, but to answer the questions that may come from patients or their providers uh, or insurance companies around that. Certainly seen other indications where the entry of lower priced alternatives have had a dramatic impact on, on the pricing of other drugs. Are you seeing any movement by other makers to reduce their prices in response to the introduction of this? 
Yeah, great question. So it's still early. What we can say is that the the annual wholesale acquisition cost that I kind of referred to earlier uh, of ESRISD is well below the cost of other available um, SMA therapies. Uh, so for a patient who'd be on the maximum dose, I gave an example of an infant before, but if, for a patient who'd be on the maximum dose, we estimate that that wholesale acquisition cost would be about $340,000. And by way of context, that's 25% less than the five-year average of a patient who is starting on current standard of care uh, for SMA. And Evrizi is also priced below uh, the annualized cost. If you think about you know, over a five-year period, the annualized cost of gene therapy, that, that cost would be, would be about $425,000 a year over five years. So, so the annual wholesale acquisition cost of Evrizi is well below the cost of, of, of both gene therapy and other standard of care regimens. Now, obviously, there are no head-to-head clinical trials between SMA and SMA therapy. So, so efficacy comparisons should not be made. But certainly, we think that uh, that the pricing components here of RISD will compare favorably uh, to other available therapies for SMA. One of the frustrations within the rare disease community is the large number of conditions, something on the order of 95% that have no approved FDA therapy available. It's interesting to see pipelines of therapies by various drug developers going after the same indication at the same time. Uh, it's certainly good news for people with the condition, but I'm curious, as, as a drug developer thinks about business decisions, how does that affect whether they decide to pursue a, a potential therapy? And is it just the advancement of science in a specific condition that moves multiple therapies through the pipeline at the same time, or is it something else? Yeah, it's a great question. So when you think about um, the impact that a new therapy could have, you can think about it a couple of different ways. One, of course, is, well, how many people in the world have the disease? But the other is, what is the magnitude of benefit you can bring to people with the disease? And so if even if a disease is less common, uh, if you have a therapeutic advance that has the potential to bring a substantial benefit uh, to, to patients with the disease that haven't had any uh, or maybe have had very few options in the past, uh, the feeling is that that kind of, um, that kind of benefit for people, uh, things usually work out from a business standpoint. So, so therefore, and I think it's, it's quite um, uh, inspiring, I think, for people like myself and others who work at Genentech and other companies who are really dedicated to the idea of bringing groundbreaking new treatments to people because it, because regardless of the size of the the number of people with disease in the country uh, if you can make a substantial advance then um, then uh, right now in this country we have a, an ability to bring those advances to, to people uh, and and uh, trust that uh, that the business will work itself out. And what's the value case to make for RISD? How should patients or, or physicians think about it when considering their options today? Yeah, it, great question. I think it really comes back to these uh, key elements of that, you know, especially we're navigating a pandemic uh, and, and 
you know, patients, uh, safe patient safety is so key. And so we have now a treatment option with a favorable efficacy and safety profile that can be administered in their own homes. Uh, and it's also now uh, an, op- an opportunity uh, for patients with the disease that have historically not necessarily been candidates for some of the other therapies. Uh, and so that at-home delivery, oral dosing, uh, and uh, broad sort of patient population in our clinical program, we think that's a, that, that's a value case that will be appealing for a lot of people with SMA. Levi Garraway, Chief Medical Officer and Head of Global Product Development at Genentech. Levi, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, thanks again for hosting me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.